Super Talk Mississippi media production. Coleman Taylor Transmission, servicing Central Mississippi for over 60 years. Their ASE certified technicians offer dependable transmission services, a warranty, and record services. Call Coleman Taylor today for all your transmission needs. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey, my co-conspirator as always is Colin Brister. We welcome you into this Friday edition of the Rebel Report. A loaded show today, probably mostly baseball-centric. There's there's a series that's fairly important. Ole Miss obviously has State in town this weekend. I'm not sure how much baseball they're going to get in. The forecast looks fairly awful, um, but they're going to try to play at some point. Sunday, obviously, is Sunday looks fairly clear. Um, well, today to me kind of looks like it's rain, but it doesn't look like it's a monsoon. Yeah, but, like, what do you do with that? Like, it's a, it's a matter, I guess, of how much rain. Because, like, obviously you can play through rain, but at a certain point if the field's underwater, like, you don't want dudes, like, swimming to first. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. So uh, it'll be interesting. I don't know. I'm hoping either they either get them all in or you just go ahead and call a doubleheader because I'm not a fan of sitting up there until 9 o'clock waiting on a potential <laughs> first pitch. It really just kind of pisses me off, but, you know. Well, just sit at the condo. You can read Twitter, man. Exactly. But, like, if I get all the way up there, and I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully there's there's really no delay. But a, a huge series for both teams. For State, really, it's it's if you're looking at it from a Mississippi State vantage point, they're trying to lock up a national seat. If they won two out of three this weekend, that would essentially do that. Ole Miss is – trying to lock up a hosting spot and possibly jump into the national seed conversation, which I think is po- – I guess we'll start for there. Is a national seed possible for Ole Miss? I say yes, but not likely. Well, I think it's up to Ole Miss. I mean, look, is, is the road hard? Yeah, but if this team goes 6-1 and one and, you know, 5-1 and one in conference, then they're 20-10, and 10, man, and not many 20-10 and 10 SEC teams don't get national seed. There's been a few – um, you know, from and the reason why their RPI is extremely high. But if this team is sitting at twenty and ten, my my gut inclination would be that they're a top ten RPI team, and and they uh, they're very much in play for a national seed, if not you know being considered as one, uh, if they go twenty and ten. Now, anything short of that, they'd have to go on a miraculous run in Hoover. Yeah, no, I would I would certainly agree with that. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's possible. They need to find a way to flood the field in Jonesboro on Tuesday. They have a final midweek game with Arkansas State, and I think they would be better off by, I don't know, like a, if a meteor hit the field, they'd be better off than playing that game. Yeah, just just send Arkansas State like $7,000 and, and have, say have a nice day. Like, there's no reason to play that game. The thing is, though, with Ole Miss, if you if you haven't had some of the, and I say midweek, but some of it's non-conference, but really, I mean, it's the North Alabama it's dropping a game to right state. It's – I'm trying to think what else. I mean, dropping – Well, they lost Louisville, East Carolina, and State, which those aren't killers. No, those are good teams. But, like, two, dropping a game at Tulane, which, like, you can't crush them. But my point being, there's been enough pitfalls that if you if you if you didn't have some of those for Ole Miss, you're already probably talking about a national seed. Yeah, yeah. The midweek is the reason that you're not because that's the reason your RPI is at 18 and not 8. Yeah, that is a, that's a good point. So – yeah, I'd say I'd say it's it like Ole Miss could jump back into it, but like I, I mean it's got to be five and one down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, I, I think. Well, I mean at nineteen eleven, if you go over to Hoover and win the thing again, then you're probably one. But you would have to do some serious, serious damage in Hoover. Yeah, you you certainly would. So I guess just looking at this series in a vacuum, it's. It's interesting to me because I can't figure out like how I like picture this going at all. 
State probably has the advantage on the mound, like from a starter's perspective, slightly. Like I'd go, I'd probably take Small and Gin over over Etheridge and Nikhazy, but it's probably it's close. Uh, I'd take Nikhazy over Gin right now, just from a numbers perspective. Fair enough, but I mean that that feels like a wash. Small's been a bit better than Etheridge. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah, and then states. Like State's bullpen hasn't always been great, but I think they're a little deeper than Ole Miss is. Like they're not working like the two horse show to get right. to the closer. They are they are deeper. Um, I don't think they're quite. I think it's more quantity over quality there though, because the bullpen's been pretty bad in SEC play for Mississippi State. Um, you know, I think I looked it up. Uh, Ke- or Peyton Plumley, JT Gann, and Ethan Small in SEC play have like a two nine ERA combined, and then everybody else in SEC play has like a six point five ERA. So that's if there's a weakness for Mississippi State, it is their bullpen. But like you said, they have plenty of guys to try to figure it out too. So for Ole Miss to win this series, it has to do what? And don't say win two games. Like, like <laughs> if, if it goes, if it has gone well for Ole Miss, when we're sitting here on Sunday night recording, what happened? Um, they got Small and Gen out of the game because I think it, it, for Ole Miss to win this series, I don't think I don't think uh, expecting them to win. You know, start two and zero oh is uh, is realistic. Um, you know, with Small and Gen. That being said, the way you win the series is you win Game Three, and somehow you get Smaller, you get Gen out of the game before the seventh inning. If you can do that, you've got three innings of bullpen to deal with. And and another thing, Etheridge, it, either Etheridge or Nikhazy has, has one got to be special. They they can't just be good. They can't be average. One of them has to be special and, and just throw zeros up against a really really good lineup. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say if, like, you told me, if you, like, froze me for three days and told me they thawed me out and told me on Sunday that Ole Miss won two out of three, I would have thought the Casey or, or Etheridge shoved in one of those games. And then, obviously, yeah, give, it, it's likely going to, like, I think they'll split the first two, and then the game three is just going to be a complete and total crapshoot. I'd probably give State a bit of an upper hand on the mound, though, in that one. Yeah, the only thing is, um, the guy that State's going to start on the mound, Ole Miss saw down in Pearl. So they've seen him for four innings. Peyton Plumley, he, pl- right. he pitched pretty well down there, too. Sure, sure. But, uh, you know, I think seeing seeing a guy for the second time around is an advantage for the hitters. Yeah, so we had midweek availability in baseball, and it was interesting. I was asking Dillard and Kessinger about facing small in, like, in past years. And Dillard told me that he faced Ginn in high school, but then when I asked Kessinger, he said, nope, never faced him. And I was like... How does that well, how does Diller that work? Dill was only at Oxford for one year. He was only there his senior year, so he could have faced him some of the other three years. Okay, that <laughs> I guess that makes sense. But I was sitting there thinking, I was like, how is that possible? But I don't think Gray was at Oxford all four years in his high school. I think Gray was there maybe sophomore to senior year. I know he wasn't there all four years. That's besides the point. Um, but here's the thing about small too. Ole Miss has gotten after him in his career. He's thrown five innings against Ole Miss. He's given up five earned runs. Now, look, he's a lot better this year than he's ever been. But Ole Miss has had some success off of him, and I wonder if that bodes some confidence, you know, somehow. <coughs> Ooh. Excuse me. Yeah, I I would – yeah, I don't know. Like, I, it, it's, it's interesting because at your point, he's been a better version of himself this year than in years like in any other year in his career it'll be interesting to see how Ole Miss like I I feel like you're probably going to know how it's going to go two or three innings like two innings in or less like it let me me ask you this what do you do if you're Mike Bianco and and Chris Lamonis today with the weather and you don't know if you're going to get nine innings in tonight but you start do you start your aces and you know 
have the opportunity or have the chance to just pitch them four innings where they've got to come out due to a rain delay? How do you kind of manage it? That's a good question, and I don't really know, and I'm not sure there's necessarily a right way to go it because you're really just playing roulette with, with, with like Mother Nature. Yeah, if I'm state, because to me, there's the fall off from from Will Etheridge to Gunnar Hogland is not as big as the fall off from Ethan Small to Peyton Plumley. If I'm state and I see there's a clear day on Sunday, I, I hold Ethan Small till Sunday because I know I'm going to get what I'm going to get out of him on Sunday. I'm going to get not or however the rain's not going to affect him on Sunday. Yeah. But that's just, just, I don't know, it feels like a risky proposition because what, what if you hold him and then they don't ever stop playing and they get nine innings in? No, that's fair. That's fair. But I just feel like there's you're not going to have to chance it on Sunday. But, I mean, it, it's like kind of you said, it's roulette. I don't really know how what the answer is to manage. I know what Ole Miss will do because I've seen them do this in every situation. Will Etheridge will take the ball, and if he has to come out after four innings, he has to come out after four innings. That doesn't sound like Mike Bianco. Yeah, I saw Mike, uh, and I'm not crapping on Mike here, but in 2013, uh, Ole Miss played Mississippi State, and there was the biggest cloud you've ever seen overhead. And uh, he started Bobby Wall, and Bobby Wall pitched one inning, and the floodgates opened. <laughs> and Wall couldn't start the next day in a doubleheader. Yeah, I'd never actually ask him or tell him this, but I always wonder what Mike thinks of his track record as a weather god. I don't think it's very good. <laughs> Probably the same thing as he thinks about his track record is. As a seven-inning doubleheader coach. Yeah, that's what are they four and twelve and two of those wins are against Grambling. Uh, one and eight in SEC seven-inning doubleheaders since uh, 2011. They've won one seven-inning game against Texas A&M in 15, and then weren't able to get the second game in. One and eight. That team sucked too, and I don't even really remember that game. Uh, it was the last game of the year. It was the last game of the regular season. Okay, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the weather's really going to put a wrench in this from a pitching situation because, to your point, you like if you start like your guy, particularly on Friday or Saturday, I get there's an occasion, there's a decent chance like they're throwing two, three innings and it's it's done with, and that's where if it gets to that point, and even if it's just like a like not even a, a continuation the next day, even if it's just like a two two and a half hour delay, if Ole Miss gets into a bullpen game with State early in the series, that's not going to bode well for the uh, for the Rebels there. No, because, well, I mean, I get what you're saying, but it, you're going to have to, like a Zach Phillips is going to have to perform, um, you know, for, for that to work out well for Ole Miss, because like we said earlier, State has, you know, a lot more arms. Uh, Look, and Phillips wasn't terrible against LSU, but it was different than the midweek, and you could tell. Like, I'm not sure, sure. how much you're trusting him. I do wonder how uh, how much three days rest had to do with that, um, but you know, it's, I, I don't know, was it three days, when, Thursday, Friday, yeah, but uh, he, he's on full rest now, but uh, like you said, I mean, he, he, it was different against LSU than, you know, the midweek opponent, so, you know, it, it's interesting, uh, Will Etheridge will start tonight for Ole Miss, if, that, if they play tonight, Will Etheridge is taking the ball, I have no doubt about that, I'm just kind of interested in how they manage it outside of that. Did they announce Gunner or go TBA on Sunday, I actually didn't uh, check this morning. I don't know, but from listening to Mike and uh, the the midweek interviews, it, it sounded pretty clear who was going to be pitching on Sunday. Well, yeah, sure. Like and That was like last week where they went TBA, but it was never not going to be Hoagland. <laughs> I have no clue why he does that. Um, Ole Miss went TBA on Sunday. I just looked, I just pulled it up. <laughs> sure. If you say so, Mike. But, I mean, uh, so that's, but that, that's, so I was trying to get to that point. If Does Gunnar have to legally change his name to TBA? 
I'll ask him that. But my point in that is, is is there any scenario where you bring Hoagland in before Sunday to try to get you linked in if a game's delayed? That was kind of the, what I was getting at by wondering if they went TBA. Is there any sort of scenario this weekend, like we're talking about three-hour delay after Etheridge or Nikhazy's pitched two innings, they're obviously on the shelf unless your name's Mike Martin at Florida State. But, like, like is there any scenario where you bring Hoagland in after a starter because the starter's, like, outing gets crapped on by rain? Um, if... Okay, if Will Etheridge goes four innings tonight, throws 70-ish pitches, and has to sit for two and a half hours, and Ole Miss has a four-to-two lead, yeah, I might have to. Um, now, in saying that, do you not just turn it over to Miller and, and Caracy? But I think that would be the situation. Is if I needed some length, I think I would go there, and you just kind of figure out Sunday when you get to Sunday. Uh, I just wonder, like, it, I think that would be a, a strategy. I'm not sure it's one Mike would, like, I think it's a sound strategy. I'm not sure it's one Mike would go for, though. But, and in, in a part of that is, is how much do you really trust Hoagland? Because he's been better, sure. but the, the LSU thing, it just felt like the whole time, while well, he was good, and you have to give him credit for getting the link that he did, what he goes four and a third, but it just felt like you got through four innings without the wheels coming off and just barely. Yeah, well, they crushed some balls at people. Yes, they did. Uh, they and, crushed and, a lot and of balls at people. He deserved a little luck because he had been really unlucky up until that point. Um, but I think Gunner deserves credit for battling and fighting and competing down there at LSU. I don't think Gunner was particularly sharp down at LSU. Um, so, like you said, how much do you trust him to bring him into that type of situation? I don't know if they would do that. I don't know if I would do that. I think that's kind of just the only situation where you would see him before Sunday. Right, and so that's what makes this interesting is if you go TBA. And so just on the flip side of that, if I don't take it a step further, if that does happen and you have a rain issue and you bring Hoagland in in relief in one of the first two games for long relief when your starter got, got zapped by the rain, who's the Sunday guy? Zach Phillips. Yeah, I think it would have to be. I mean, I don't think there's really any other scenario. like, like Because if, if that happens, there's no way you haven't used Myers or Miller at that point, right? Like that, the only, That's not the even other. really realistic. The only other option, I think, would be Max Chofi, maybe. How about Olenek? Uh, <laughs> I have been a proponent. If you're going to pitch Olenek, you should start him. That way you can use him as the DH after he comes out. But, again, Olenek hasn't pitched in, like, two months. So yeah. yeah, so that's been weird. That's never – we didn't – I meant to bring that up last week. So that just hasn't – that was, like, be going to be a thing, but now it just hasn't. Yeah, well, the, the hip injury didn't help. He was getting loose. Uh, the Saturday when he sat out the series against Auburn, he was getting loose to come in for Gracie there at the end. And I believe after Miller on Sunday, uh, uh, Olenek was long tossing in the outfield and not just like warming up. Like it looked as if he might like be getting ready to pitch. They're a little lucky there because you've got Dillard in left field who can be a catcher and let Olenek get loose. I'm kind of being serious. Um, you know, Dillard can get down and, and handle a 90 mile hour fastball if he needs to. Uh, so they're a little lucky in there where most teams don't have a guy in left field that can handle 90-mile-hour fastballs and somebody's trying to get loose in the outfield. Yeah, but can't you bring a dude on the field? Uh, Play I'm stopped. Not, I mean, I guess you could, sure. Just, just kinda, uh, it kind of seemed cumbersome, but yeah, I guess you could. So my gut feeling, I guess, putting a bow on, on baseball is... I keep it's like a coin flip. Like I think State's probably a more complete team, but Ole Miss has been good at home. And for whatever reason, teams have come into Swayze this year and just kind of like wet their pants. Except for Kentucky. 
Yeah, but like you know, I I don't disagree, but it, it was weird. Now Florida just kind of sucks. That the cats kind of yeah. come out of the bag on that. But like A and M came in and looked like a completely different team. It was bizarre. Yeah, and Ole Miss. I, I've said this on a previous podcast. Ole Miss is good on these weekends. Uh, there's big crowds and there's big. You know, it's a big weekend in Oxford. Ole Miss is good. They haven't lost a series since 2013. Um, so you know, kind of with that track record, and I think I think Mississippi State's a better baseball team, but I don't think it's far enough that it that it's that big of a deal. So I think Ole Miss gets two this weekend. No, I'm not shocked if, if Mississippi State wins two by any stretch of the imagination. I guess I'm kind of the same way. I'll give Ole Miss the benefit of the doubt because they're at home. I think State's probably a slightly better team, but I think Ole Miss, as your point, has been good at home, been good at home this year. So I'll give them two. But like if State came in and won two, it's like no. I, that's a that's the other side of the coin. Like and, to me, it's just a complete flip. And one more, if if State does come in and win two, and you're at Ole Miss, don't freak out because all they've got to do is uh, go dude, win. Dude, this is like I, telling water not to be wet. I, I, but am I wrong though? Like it's, no, you're not wrong, but like, come on, man. That's what message boards were created for: loaded diapers and vented feelings. Just chill. It's going to be okay if they if they play well. Look, because you can play well against Mississippi State, lose two games. I promise. Um, plenty of teams have done it, and you lose two this weekend. Go into a Knoxville. It's all good. You're going to host. And so just don't freak out if Ole Miss loses the series this weekend. Well, we talked about on Wednesday's show the football mentality with uh, amongst the, the Ole Miss fan base and really with just the way this season's gone. It's become every game. Like, every game, every oh, loss is the end of the world. Yeah. And like, the, I don't know. Like, the, the deal, I don't know. It's just, yeah. It's, it's every it's loss is an indictment on the program. Every single one. And the coach. <laughs> no matter how it happens. Friday night was an indictment on the coach. They just lost the baseball game, but it was Mike's fault. Yeah, like literally they could be in a tie game and say Caracy's out there. Caracy could take the ball, put it in his glove, punt the baseball into the seats, allowing a guy to advance a base, and people would still blame it on number five. Mike, Mike shouldn't have taught him that. Yeah, Mike shouldn't have taught him how to kick the ball into the stands. <laughs> recruit better. <laughs> Get better kids. Yeah, recruit better. So. <laughs> God, we're gonna yell that. Yeah, I don't. I don't care though, because like you, it's 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 annoying. Like it's every it's every single game you're getting it like blowback annoying. on. I mean, not that like you take Twitter too but, seriously, but it's just stuff like that. It's like Jesus Christ. Like, if, like if breathe. You criti- if you want to criticize some stuff Mike does during the game, by all means, I, I've got my criticisms of Mike in game. But by God, man, sometimes you just lose. Like, you you, you ever seen a fifty-six and no college baseball team? Because I have not. Now, Vanderbilt one day might try. Oregon State probably got, what, the closest? Yeah, they lost like five games before Alex Lang found them. Yeah, that was – So, I guess transitioning into – like, it's like that weird time of year where, like, is it too early to do football? Most people would tell you it's never too early to do football. I'm not going to start breaking down depth charts in the early parts of May, but we well, had an interesting point come up on the show well, yesterday. Uh, what what One – Depth chart is uh, almost doesn't have Cavante Ruggs anymore. Yeah, so I guess we'll 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 get to we'll start with that. So Cavante Ruggs was it was obviously it was it was reported yesterday. I believe a report from AL.com was the first, but Cavante Ruggs is no longer with the program. That's actually a big loss for Ole Miss because it's a group that relied heavily on young linebackers last year. Ruggs kind of being one of them. It it was he had a weird trajectory last season to where he starts in the first game as a true freshman. I believe he concussed himself on a kickoff. I'm not sure. That sounds awful. No, it was, a bad, it was a really bad concussion. I, I believe he concussed himself on a kickoff. Don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty sure he, he – so that he starts the first game against Texas Tech in Houston. I'm pretty sure on a kickoff he hit a guy and concussed himself. It never really got back into the 
Like he played in, uh, like he missed the next game and then came back and played in the rest, like all like all eleven games he was available for. But he never really got back and like cracked the rotation per se. Like he only had sixteen total tackles on the year and didn't really make an impact like they thought. Because a true freshman starting at linebacker the first game of the season, like even I mean that defense obviously struggled, but like that's that's not easy to do. No, no, he was really athletic, and and like you said, it's a loss for Ole Miss. But in saying that, I, I don't know if past. January they countered on Kabonte Ruck because he was suspended for the spring, right? Yeah, and so we were at media availability one day and Matt Luke just kind of, like, somebody asked about Ruggs and some and he just kind of laid it out there. He goes, oh yeah, he's suspended indefinitely. Matt Luke at the time left the door open for, for Ruggs to come back, though he didn't really specify a timetable. Point being, this and like, this transfer didn't seem like surprising to your point, like no. saying it's, it's, like, they didn't really count on him, but like, it it's it's interesting how it played out, I guess. Yeah, sure. And, and look, Ole Miss needs linebackers, so to, to say it's not a loss is incorrect. And saying that, I think Ole Miss kind of went in starting in about January knowing that they probably weren't going to have him. The kid was never happy at Ole Miss. He, he, he was never happy at Ole Miss. He wanted to leave, and, and you know, uh, good luck to him. I hope everything works out. But to say this came as a surprise is, uh, would be disingenuous. Yeah, I don't think they were surprised about this at all. But it, it is a loss because they're, like, they relied on young linebackers. Like, I'm thinking Jacquez Jones. Uh, Mohamed Sanogo was, like, the old, like, veteran linebacker it felt like we talked to last year as a sophomore. Obviously, you got Willie Hibbler, some other guys. Ruggs had moved to outside linebacker in McIntyre's 3-4 scheme. And so, like, they're probably still fine on the interior. But that's just another. And, like, I, I guess that, that helps in the sense that they've added some de facto depth on the outside because they've moved some guys from defensive end to outside linebacker. So you have more options there. Like if Ruggs had been slated in one of the inside linebacking spots, it probably would have cut a little deeper. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, you know, him being an outside guy, Ole Miss has got a little bit, you know, for what depth they do have at linebacker, it's at, uh, it's the outside position. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a loss. But I think Ole Miss will be okay on defense without him. Not a, not necessarily okay on defense, but, like, they'll manage without Kevontae Ruggs. Yeah, so what – Originally, when we were going to like the the segment we did on the show yesterday was, what game on Ole Miss's schedule will kind of swing its season? I guess you could do a game or two games. I couldn't answer it with a single game. I said the whole month of September, but for the sake of the argument, I settled in on the Arkansas game as my well, pick as the single biggest swing game. He stole my answer. Uh, I think. I mean, no, but I mean, yeah, we can have the same one. Like, it, 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 that's probably the right answer. But my thing was, is like, you want to pick Memphis, but like the first game of the season's hard to call a swing game. But my, the reason I picked Arkansas, and like, this is not necessarily a strong argument or like one without flaws. But if you just gave me the result of the Arkansas game and you told me Ole Miss lost the Arkansas game, do you really think they beat Memphis? Yeah, exactly. I tell you what, let's let's go down there. Uh, do you have your, their schedule there in front of you? I do. All right, uh, let's just let's go worst-case scenario here. Uh, let's say they lose to Memphis. I don't think Ole Miss is going to be favored in that game. It is certainly possible Ole Miss loses to Memphis. Are they going to be well, favored? Uh, Memphis will be favored, I believe. What a world. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I read something that they expect Memphis to be favored in every single game they play. Okay. So, Memphis, then, Ar- then Arkansas. Oh, they don't have, like, an FCS game? No, the FCS game comes afterward against Selah. Uh, uh, you go Memphis, Arkansas, Southeastern Louisiana. Jeez. Uh, so, yeah, right, just... if you roll into 
face the mighty lions of southeastern Louisiana at 0-2, oh, no, you're in trouble, buddy. Well, you, the problem's going to be you're going to have 8,000 people in the stand. Yeah, that's going to be one of the count in the people in each section. You could do it with your hands. Oof. So you you wanted to, if worst-case scenario happens, then cow rolls in? Oh my! See, but that see to my point, and we're talking like if we're like from the original argument that we brought up is what's the swing game? That's probably why either one of those two games is the correct answer because if Ole Miss doesn't get off to a good start, you're gonna know the season's gonna be a train wreck, and it's all like by the third week of the season, you're gonna know the answer. Yeah, I mean, if they start this thing off zero and two, Godspeed to everybody, because uh, that's gonna go off the rails. That is, it is going to be bad. Well, I mean, because. If you're like, all right, let's just say that you're zero and two. Let's just, you know, I for, for you know message board sex. I hope they're not. Um, let's just say they're zero and two. They beat Southeast Louisiana. It's it's Cal and then Vandy, right? Cal, Alabama, Vandy. Okay, so you're losing to Alabama if they play the game at Oxford, Tuscaloosa, or, or on Mars. Does matter. You're not giving them a so, chance in Brian Denny. Again, Oxford, Tuscaloosa, on Mars. They're losing. Well, it was so, close the last time they played there. Do what? It was close the last time they played at Brian. Yeah, Day. they scored like nine more touchdowns. They tied it. 66-3? Yep. yep. A lot closer than the score and indicated. Well, I mean, it's been hard to not be. <laughs> um, I mean, to be honest here, look, if you're 0-2 and then you beat Selah or whatever, and you lose to Cal, man, you're going to get popped against Alabama. You're 1-4, you're and then Vandy rolls in and beats you. You're 1-5, and, man, this thing's done. Like it's over. Well, that's two and ten. Uh, is it two and ten? Did they play? Yeah, I got. I got they got, got New Mexico State at home in late in mid in early uh, November. It's two and ten. Two oh God. But at, at the same time, if you beat Memphis and Arkansas, right. you're probably going five one though uh, four and one though. Borky Borky brought up the point yesterday. He thinks Cal out of the three out of Ole Miss's first four games, Cal's the best team. Yeah, I don't disagree actually, because um, I don't know what Arkansas is going to do at quarterback. Now, I could I can make an argument for Memphis, um, but I think it's either Memphis or Cal. So that's probably the game in the first month of the season. So obviously, Ole Miss. We've said this before, but Ole Miss's September is undoubtedly the most crucial month of its season. Might oh, be yeah. the most crucial month stretch in the program seen in a while, just from an overall trajectory standpoint. What but do they you, have? Go. If you're going to drop my point, yeah. So I think they could drop one of those games and be fine. Sure. They can't do any worse. And I think the game to drop is, it's, I mean, it's either Memphis or Cal. And like, you can't, I guess that's the way you got to frame it. You can't lose both Memphis and Cal. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. Look, if, and I don't think this team wins six games, but I think if there's a path, it involves going three and one in the uh, non conference, beating Vanderbilt, beating Arkansas, and uh, figuring something else out, you just you find a way to win another game. I think that's the path if you're trying to talk about winning six games. Yeah, and then the way the way you would really get to six is go for you head into the Alabama game four and zero. I don't oh. think they're four and zero at that point though. I just between Memphis, Arkansas, and Cal, I I have a hard time tell like you you're gonna have a hard time selling me like it wouldn't shock me if they won all three of those games, but you're gonna have a hard time selling me that they win all three. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be really, really hard for this program to go four and zero. But if you're three and one, that you you go to sleep at night feeling pretty good. Yeah, they're probably like they're okay. Like, and particularly like if you're talking about it from like a the temperature of the fan base. If you start off three and zero and then you drop the Cal game, like 
like that kind of the three and zero start though kind of puts a puts sure. a damper on people's like not puts a damper on things but like tames people's like tantrums I guess if that's <laughs> like I don't yeah. even know how to phrase that but you get what I'm saying like if yeah, you start three and zero and Cal comes in and beats you and and if it's like unless they come in and like route you in Oxford like fifty five three or something like which I don't envision happening if you lose a close game against Cal like it, eh, it's kind of whatever yeah I mean you you go to sleep at night and you're fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. It kind of just feels like the swing game is the whole month of September. If they do, I don't think I'm with you. I think they're five and seven ish range. I don't think they get to six wins. But man, if they found a way, Ole Miss with the state of the program getting to a bowl game, would that would be huge for them? That would be oh. huge for Matt Luke. Like that would be huge for. It'd be kind of like the uh, you remember the Birmingham Bowl in 2013 yeah. or 2012. It'd be kind of like that. There'd be 80,000 Ole Miss fans wherever they went. Yeah, and it would kind of get people, but it's interesting though. But like that's such a strange dynamic because obviously the Birmingham Bowl, I, I agree, that's a good like like comparison. But like people had like bought into Freeze at that point and bought into the program sure. and all that, and like it seems like there's been more hesitation and blowback from Matt Luke. So I wonder if they do get to a bowl game and they go to get to six and six, what that looks like from a support standpoint. Right, and, and that's fair. And another thing that was helping Freeze is they were in on Robert Kim Dietschy, <clears throat> Laquan Treadwell, and Larry McDonnell. And got uh, all three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they wish they didn't get one. But anyways, um, you know, and, and I don't think Ole Miss is going to be recruiting at that level for, a, you know, and not, it's no fault of Matt, but I don't think Ole Miss will be recruiting at that level for at least a little while. So, uh, you know, it, it, it will be kind of interesting if that does, you know, come to fruition, what it looks like from a fan. Uh, engagement perspective, and you know, at a in a prospective bowl game. We hadn't gotten off the rails yet, but I'm about to. What? So in 2022, I think is when Liberty comes to Oxford. I don't think oh. there's. A, I think there's a zero percent chance Freeze is still there. But on the off chance that he is, does the town explode that day? How does that work? Uh, at that point, it's six years. Like there's a little bit of forgive and forget. You kind of you know just let it go at that point, right? I, th- I would think so, but it's just a weird dynamic because there's a faction of okay. people I feel like that swear by Freeze no matter what he did. What, who gets the better reaction when they come back? Because at some point I feel like Andy Kennedy's going to return to Oxford. It's uh, Kennedy 100%. Back. That's not even close. You think Kennedy? Then Freeze? Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But like you said, there's a cult following of Freeze, man. But it's small. It's like most cults. It's small vocal. It's a small vocal minority. Fair enough, but they are very good on the Twitter. That's fine, but like, I they, look... They, like they can't tweet at him in the stadium. Like, I mean, I guess they can, but like you get my point. Like, well, the, he tweet back during the game. Yeah, probably. Blessings to you. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. If you have any facts about a violation, please tweet them at Liberty. Oh God. Uh, anyway. Oh man. No, but dude, ovation, ovation wise, that's in 2022. Hell no, Freeze is not there. I'd be surprised if Freeze. Three years though, like I mean, I don't think he's going to be very good next year. Where's he going? Are they firing him? What do you mean they're not going to be very good? The man signed a four-star to Liberty. <laughs> I mean, sure. How does that happen? By the way, there's well, a consensus right, four-star going to Liberty. I mean, I get he might be a non-qualifier elsewhere, maybe, but like Jesus, four-star might be going to Hodge. Yeah, like how does that? How does that happen? All right, four-star to Liberty or five-star basketball player to Western Kentucky. Which one's more fishy? Look, man, don't hate on Stansberry. Hate the player, uh, not the game. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't hate the player or the game, but I'm just saying, Charles Bassey doesn't go to uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky very often. 
that kid that uh that kid that got caught up in all the Louisville stuff, Brian Bowen, didn't he end up at Western Kentucky? He never played a game, but he was there too. Was he not? Oh, uh, I thought he was like South Carolina. Maybe I, I got that wrong. But um Yeah, Speaking so basketball, you, Ole Miss got a pretty big commitment or, or or guy announcing on Monday. Yeah, Kadeem Sai. Uh so between Ole Miss and L S U it sounds like? No, Ole Miss he he released his final three yesterday. Ole Miss, Pittsburgh, and East Carolina. A lot of diversity there. So L S U didn't make it? No, he didn't take his visit to LSU. Uh, look, I think Kermit Davis has done a good job recruiting, but man, when you're in a battle with Jeff Capel at uh-huh. Pitt, I'm just <laughs> not luck. sure. I I think the game might be a little rigged against you if you're picking up what I'm putting down. <laughs> what are you implying there, Rip? I don't know. I'm not implying anything. I just don't think about the college basketball trial or anything like that at all. Yeah, and it's not a coincidence at all that Jeff Capel uh, joins K staff after he's done at Oklahoma and Duke starts signing every one and done in five star. Not a coincidence at all. I mean, it's completely a coincidence. There's no correlation. No correlation at all. Because Duke doesn't Duke doesn't cheat. The seventy year old coach with black jet black hair is is a transparent guy, and everything is what it seems. That's why I love Calipari because Calipari is like, yeah, <laughs> we cheat. It's good. We play these kids. I don't care. That's why I love him. Because he comes from a good place where he's like, I'm trying to make these kids' lives better. Like, like, he like cares about those kids. Kindly piss off. No, he does actually care about those kids. But so, hold on. Back to the like original thing. You, you really think Freeze is still at liberty in, in three yeah. years? Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere, man, because I don't really think he's going to win that much. Oh, like, I, I disagree. I think he's going to win. I mean, fair enough. I, I kind of don't. I kind of saw what he did at the end of the old mess there where he didn't recruit defensive players. I don't think he knows how to manage the program. Um, yeah, but can't you score 100 points a game in a league like that and win games? I mean, sure, maybe, I guess. I don't know. I'm just telling you the man didn't recruit linebackers for three years. Yeah, but look, I know, and I, that's definitely indictment on him. But, like, like – like there's, I don't know. I have a hard time. I always, like if if he hadn't had all the side stuff going on, which was his fault too, the NCAA investigation, all that. Like his recruiting, any different? I mean, that's fair, but I mean, he's the guy that didn't offer Jannard Avery because he did. He had two stars beside his name. Like, I mean, Jannard Avery would have crawled Ole Miss. Yeah, it's just. Uh, I don't think Freeze is a great program manager. I think he's a pretty good in-game coach. I don't think he really knows how to manage a program. The Hugh Freeze redemption stories are going to be nauseating. Oh God! They're going to win a big game, or they're going to start off five and six and one. Like, can you pull up their schedule? Do they play anybody that matters this year? Yeah, that's what we're going to do on this podcast: is break down the Liberty Flames football. I, I'm all I just for want it. To know if they play anyone that matters. Um, let's see. I'm pulling it up right now. <laughs> they, I don't see him beating like no. Wait a minute! Well, I don't understand this. They open up with Syracuse at home. Man, sure. <laughs> what? Syracuse is going to Liberty. Who the hell at Syracuse signed up for that? That has to be a mistake. Hold on. I'm going to go to Liberty's official site. There's no way that's correct. Are you going like FBS schedule? Uh, no, it's like the first one that pops up on like the Google. Oh, okay, okay, okay. They have Syracuse at home. <laughs> Somebody at Syracuse has to be fired. Then they play at ULL. Okay, they don't care. Their teams of note, Rutgers. The at they have a stretch of well, who made this schedule? They have four straight road games. Oof. 
They play seven on the road. This, no, six on the road. So they have a four-game road stretch that goes at Rutgers and looks like end of October, early November, at Rutgers, at UMass, at BYU, at Virginia. Can you imagine the oh, penultimate God. week of the college football season where Hugh Freeze takes his – takes his troops to Bronco Mendenhall in Virginia and pulls off an upset. That would be hilarious. I don't think I'm ever going to root against a team like I'm going to root against Liberty football this year. I'm just fascinated to watch it. I'm fascinated to see that guy on a sideline again and just how does that go? Because you, if you told me it was a complete and utter train wreck or you told me the Flames were 12-0 and and became the new UCF, I might believe it too. Well, eventually, freeze wears you out because let me tell you that 2017 team that went six and six goes like what three and nine under freeze because they had quit on him the rah-rah stuff wears old it's it it is it it has a shorter shelf life it's not as sustainable yeah i think he's actually going to and i think he's a good enough football coach i think he's actually going to have to be a pretty good football coach to win at liberty um, and we'll see. We'll see what he's made of because he's not going to out-recruit his opponents. Well, and on a serious note, the, the what doomed him at Ole Miss, all the flaws, whatever little nitpick things you want to, he was not mature enough to manage a major Division One college right. program. And I'll be interested, in, in all seriousness, I will be interested to see if Freeze has learned anything about himself and grown as a human being at all and made any changes. If he's the same, like, defiant, you know, kind of, uh, hey, I always feel uncomfortable saying this, but, like, kind of, shielded by like the veil of religion and still doing the same stuff he was doing at Ole Miss I'm just gonna roll my eyes and probably never tune into it again but if he's if he's different and and seemingly has like made some changes and I'm not talking I'm not like trying to pick apart the guy's personal life I just meant about how he conducts himself and how he runs a program I will actually be kind of fascinated to see where that takes him back into college foot major college football that's kind of the thing too though nobody could hire him like like nobody wanted him I mean, no, not, let, me, let me rephrase. People wanted him. Je, uh, Greg Sankey was not letting him back in the SEC. I wonder how long that stays. You know, oh, I think it's forgiven after this year. If he you goes, think? if he, he like yeah, that, to me, this is like his his doing his time. Like they like t- like this is the perfect place to push him away to where he's you know he's coachy kind of like this is the perfect place to re-enter the water and get your toes back wet. Dude, because do you think like with as short as our attention spans are as a society now with social media and all that. At the end of the 2019 football season, if they're good, that all that stuff is going to seem like forever ago. Like, do you really see anyone getting blowback from putting Hugh Freeze on their staff in 2020? Probably not. No, I mean they've hired Bobby Petrino back at Louisville like it was nothing. Um, and you know, I think I think at its core, Hugh Freeze is a lot better person than Bobby Petrino. Um, so yeah, I mean you're probably right. No, I think boy, that's a rock fight argument. <laughs> no, I think Hugh Freeze is a lot better human being. Than uh, Bobby Petrino. <laughs> just, I'm well, not necessarily I, even necessarily dis- I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but just like, what a weird sentence. I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, I just don't know if I believe Freeze is going to win enough. No, but yes, I think from a uh, can you hire him standpoint, I think absolutely that uh, that somebody could put him on their staff. And you know, we talked about it. Ole Miss. You know, if if they lose a few games and go two and ten, is that a call? I'm kidding. I'm oh kidding. my God. <laughs> I've had that thought, though. I've had that thought. I'm serious. I I, I don't think it would ever happen. It's mostly just like a fantasy of mine. Just covering that would be terrible and amazing all at the same time. And I know that makes no sense, and I don't even care. Like, dealing with it it day-to-day would be terrible, but just the entire circus would be fascinating. 
if you're Ole Miss, you hire a high school coach before you even go that route. Oh, wait, they did that. Yeah. <laughs> I've had that thought, though. What a world. 2022, Hugh Freeze is coaching in the Ole Miss Liberty game at Ole Miss. Hey, we gotta stop. That's just that's that's a bridge too far. Did you? I didn't think we'd do ten minutes on Hugh Freeze on this podcast on a Friday in May. But yeah, here we are. My God, what a world that would be. It all, we're we're kidding. We're kidding. There's no way that would ever happen. So before this, like anyone that listens to this, before this gets clipped out and put in like the news, is like these guys are predicting that Hugh Freeze returns to Ole Miss. We're not. That is not happening. But man. Is that the first game of the year? Um, no, no, no. I think it's the. I think I. I could be wrong about that, but in twenty twenty ish, I think it's one of their November bye week type oh, deals. That, that would have been awesome if it was like the first game and everybody could have got real hyped when it, he said, "Head coach of your Ole Miss Rebels, you freeze." Yeah, I, I'm about to type in to make sure, and it's twenty twenty two, right? Not twenty twenty one. I think so. Man, typing in twenty twenty two is weird. Yeah, because you're closer than you realize. Yeah, I know. Hold on, I'm about to. I'm about to see if I can look it up. I think it's their November by Man, if it's the first game of the year, game day ought to consider that. Holy <laughs> <laughs> course I'm out here putting on a bear head. <laughs> <laughs> or a flame what are the what's the flame mascot? So oh, God. No, so we one, we're just all over the place here. We're hundred percent wrong. It's twenty twenty one. Okay, sure. But it's it it, it was a November bye week. It's November thirteenth type of deal. That, that gives more credence to those that he's still there after it's only two years. Right? I still don't think. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. I still don't think he's there. But Jesus, and, and man, if you want to make a Bobby Petrino comparison, Ole Miss plays Louisville and Liberty that year. <laughs> Wait, no, they don't. Yeah. Fireball. Well, yeah, no, no, I'm not saying Bobby Petrino, but we were just talking about Bobby Petrino and Freeze, and then Ole Miss plays Louisville and Liberty in the same well, season. That, if, uh, if we go 2-10, and ten, you can call for training. No, I'm, I'm, again, kidding. Uh, <laughs> the NBA happened last night. Yeah, so that's yeah that that was your 15-minute segment on Hugh Freeze. You're welcome. Um, I know that's what everybody was craving. Um, That'll be a weekly thing. So we're probably going to get three Game 7s. So uh, yeah. Portland beat Denver last night, force a Game 7. Philly beat Toronto, force a Game 7. The Philly-Toronto Game 7 is going to be amazing. And I'm not even talking about the game, but there's going to be very serious repercussions for two franchises. If you lose that game and you're like, what are you talking about? That's obvious. If you lose the current version, if you're the Sixers and you lose the current version, it might be getting blown up anyway, but it's going to be look drastically different. And if you're the Raptors and you lose, Kawhi is a clipper. He's probably a Clipper anyway, but he's 100. Any possibility? You don't think there's any possibility he goes to the Lakers? Oh, the Lakers? No, not a shot. He had a chance. He had kind of a chance in the Clippers. No, he would choose the Clippers 100%. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree. I'm just saying that there's still a difference in the Clippers and the Lakers. Yeah, sure. The Lakers are a train wreck, though. Oh, I don't disagree. Oh, Lionel Holland. But yeah, so you're probably gonna you have two game sevens, and you're probably gonna get a third because Ke- so now, so like now Kevin Durant is out for, until the Western Conference Finals. But like I hate to judge a basketball game on the eight minutes Houston played without Kevin Durant in the last game. But like if they like they didn't fare as well as I thought. Now that's partly because Steph Curry went nuts and kind of powered Golden sure. State to a win. But does that matter? Like I, like I, I guess at least I'm more interested in that series now because I think even with Kevin Durant. Houston would have forced it to a Game 7 at home. So can, assuming Houston holds serve in Game 6, can Houston go into Oracle and steal a road game with a, with a war, Kevin Durant-less Warriors team? Yeah, 
absolutely. They almost did it in game one with Kevin Durant. So, yeah, I, I think they absolutely could win a game seven in Oracle. And if that, I mean, if, if, if it plays out like that, then Kevin Durant has already played his last game as a Warrior. Oof. Kind yeah. of a weird thought. Yeah. Be a Nick. Yeah, he will. He will be in New York next year. I would. I would probably count on that. So the playoffs have been weird because I had this discussion with somebody at, at on the square last night. It's like the playoffs. Like the second round's been everything you thought it'd be, but the games itself haven't been that great. But the series is, have still been long and fascinating. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think you're exactly right. You phrased it just right. Uh, the games, you know, on the, on the micro level, haven't been great. But you know, we've got three series that are probably about to be three three. It was uh, three game sevens over the weekend. Yeah, so... Houston-Golden State's tonight, right? I believe that game six is tonight. Okay. And then seven would be Sunday? Yeah, that's. I'm pretty sure that's how it would work. That's going to be awesome viewing. Good thing we'll have two baseball games to cover that day. That's where, we'll wrap up the show like that. That's where this is headed, right? I mean, to me, I mean, it may not happen, but at some point this is guided to a Sunday seven-inning doubleheader. Yeah... I haven't looked at the forecast. There's tomorrow. no, there's. It's not going to rain on Sunday, but man, the Friday Saturday looks horrible. And like how they get two full baseball games in will be a beyond me. You're in Oxford right now. What's it look like? Uh, I'm inside a studio with no windows, but it was fairly gray. <laughs> yeah, was it raining? Not at the moment. It had rained earlier this morning, but from two o'clock on. Uh, here you go. I'll give you the old fashioned. This is how most. Oh, this is how most lazy people look at the weather like me. You pull up the default app on your phone and do the hourly. 60 at 2. Don't the Weather Channel app. 60 at 2, 80 at 3, 90 at 4, 90 at 5, 90 at 6, 90 at 7, 60 at 6, sorry, 90 at 6, 60 at 7, 60 at 8, 50 at 9, 40 at 10. Oh, you can start this game at midnight. Well, I was going to say, can you not start it at 7 and pray that 60% doesn't happen? Might be what happens, but I, I don't, I don't, uh... Just kind of, you try to start that game right. If they're going to start small, you try to start that game and make them use them right. Sure, I do everything I can to start that game. So, I guess I'll talk to you guys on Sunday from the Swayze Field press box. I probably won't have left since Friday at eight thirty p.m. Yeah, it's going to be great. So, unless you got anything else, that wraps it up. Huge series this weekend. We'll be back on Monday to recap it. I'm looking. For, I don't really get like look forward. To like many matchups, but like seeing Etheridge and Small and Ginn and Nikhazy back to back days is going to be f- fascinating to me. I'm excited to watch it. So, unless you have anything else, I think we can call That's it a it. weekend. All right. Uh, for Colin Brister, I am Brian Scott Rippey. We appreciate you listening to this Friday edition of the Rebel Report. Come back and hang with us on Monday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.